This morning we invite you to the book of James chapter 1. The book of James chapter 1. We're going to begin reading with verse number 19. And we will read to the end of the chapter. Beginning with verse number 19 of James chapter 1. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forget what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, brighteth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Your religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of God's holy word. This morning we continue with our study here in the book of James. And as we do, uh, we would just remind you in the beginning Thus far, we've covered uh, two sections here in chapter 1. The first section being verses 1 through 12, and the second section being verses 13 through 18. Now, in the first section, uh, the theme was or trials. And in the second section, it was temptations. And in the first one, it was how that we're to look upon that of trials, our response unto trials. In the second uh, passage or section that we uh, considered, it had to do with that of temptation. And uh, how that we are to deal with temptation and the very fact that God does not tempt any man. Now, this morning we're going to enter into that of the third section uh, of chapter 1. And it runs from that of verse number 19 all the way to the end of the chapter. We're not going to cover all of these verses uh, this morning. Matter of fact, we're only going to be covering just three of the verses uh, for this morning. Subject is be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. That's found in the very beginning of our passage in verse number 19. James writes, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. 
Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now, as we come to these verses this morning, whenever we would come to that of the study of God's word and that of a particular section, some of the questions that we always ask is who is speaking or who is writing? Uh, who is uh, the audience? Uh, what is the theme or seemingly subject of the verses? Now, we know from our study thus far here in James that James uh, is, of course, the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ and that he is uh, the one who is writing this epistle. And he is writing to brethren. You note know, right off here in verse uh, number 19 that once again uh, he draws our attention to those to whom he is writing to. He writes, My beloved brethren. My beloved brethren. Now back up in verse number 2, he had written, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into temptations. And he had uh, given a description of those brethren back up in verse number 1. He said, James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. So these were Jewish brethren. They were brethren uh, as far as uh, that of nationality uh, uh, with that of James uh, and they were Jews that had been scattered throughout uh, that of other lands to whom James was writing to here he calls them brethren uh, in verse number 2 in verse number 16, he says, Do not err, my beloved brethren. My beloved brethren. And then again here in verse 19, he says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren. Now, the word beloved here, it's a Greek word, agapitos, which means beloved or dear. And so, from this word here, we understand that these ones to whom James was writing to, they weren't just any, anybody. They were ones that were uh, dear unto that of James. They were ones uh, that he had uh, affection for. He describes them as my beloved brethren. Note the personal pronoun there. My beloved brethren. Now, the word brethren there uh, is of course speaking of that of male or female. Uh, it's a word that is used uh, in that collection, collective uh, sense uh, here to uh, mean that of brothers and sisters uh, in the Lord. It can be translated my beloved brothers and sisters if we preferred to translate it uh, that way. My beloved brethren. Now, 
This is not the only uh, author in Scripture that has uh, used that of this phrase uh, in writing to those who are the saints of God. Paul wrote in Colossians, All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Peter writes an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation even as our beloved brother Paul also according to the wisdom given unto him has written unto you. John wrote, 3 John, the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in uh, the truth. So, uh, various writers here in the New Testament, we uh, can see that they use this term terminology and it's with regards to those who are believers in Jesus Christ. Now, one of the characteristics that Jesus said would be with regards to the disciples is that they would have love one for another. Uh, and so we see this as James and the various ones write, they share that they have a love for these ones who are children of God. They are their brothers and sisters. And likewise, beloved, uh, as we think about today, there is that connection that we have with one another through that of Jesus Christ, the love uh, that He has showed to us. Uh, and our love for Him brings us into that of a relationship of that of love, of, of love and affection for uh, one another. So He begins right off by showing that of His affection by the way that He writes here uh, in the beginning of this verse. You note in the very beginning of verse number 19 that it has wherefore. Wherefore, my beloved brethren. Now, we're not going to go into detail, but we want you to understand that in later translations, you may see a difference here. You may see a difference here in the King James Version, we have the word wherefore, which is that of a conjunction. In some of your later translations, uh, you're going to find that they translate that of a verb there. And that verb is uh, a Greek verb that means to pay attention. Not a big deal. Not a big deal at all. But we want you to know this. James here, when he writes wherefore, he is referring us back to that of what he has just spoken about. And what he has just spoken about is in verse number 18 uh, that I'm referring to. You note there he says, of his own will begot he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, what James writes about there is the new birth. Or another word, theological word is, uh, is used with regards to the new birth is that of regeneration. It's that of God giving life unto individuals. That, that, of, that of eternal life. Uh, uh, that of a right relationship 
uh, uh, with God. He says, every, he says, of His own will begot He us. That is, speaking of God, of His own will begot He us with the word of truth. The new birth or the regeneration uh, is that of a work of God. And you note here that James, in speaking of this work of God, he speaks of it as being of the will of God and that the means being used in that of bringing this about is that of the word of truth or we could say the gospel, God's word. Of His own will be will begot He us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. First fruits spoke of that of choice, choice fruit. And truly, those who are the children of God, they are ones who are choice individuals, chosen by God and beloved of God. And they've been re- regenerated by God Himself, given life. And through that of the means of the very Word of God. Now, coming to our text, James writes, Wherefore? In lieu of this, in lieu of that of this wondrous gift that is given from God. This gift by which the means is that of the Word of God. God uses the very Word of God to bring this about. He says, Wherefore, in lieu of this, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to rise. Now, the very first question out of uh, the gate is, is, what is James referring to here? When he says, be quick, Be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. What is he referencing? Well, as I said, the word wherefore there, that conjunction there, it refers us back to verse 18. And what do we have in verse 18 that we could say that James is referring back to? It's that word of truth. James is referring back to. And if you'll note down through that of the section that we just read, which is the last section in this chapter, that James, that he speaks of the engrafted Word, and then he speaks of that of the Word. And he speaks of the engrafted Word once, and then he uses the word Word several times in the passage be doers of uh, the Word and not hearers only. He, he goes on to say later on in that of the passage. Now my point here is, is, is that the focus here that James has here for us is that of the Word of truth. The Word of God. And he calls upon that of these beloved brethren He calls upon them here in verse number 19 to be swift to hear. To hear what? To hear that of the Word of God. Now what does it mean to be swift to hear the Word of God? The word swift here 
has the idea of promptness. Promptness. Being ready. Readily looking forward to that of the Word being read or taught. That's the ideal here. Paul or James here, he calls upon the brethren to be swift. To be swift. To hear. To hear the Word of God. But you'll note in the next statement, he says, be swift to hear, slow to speak. A lot of times it's not that way, is it? It's just the opposite. We're speaking before we hear. And it gets us in trouble. Note the order here. It's be swift to hear. And then he says, slow to speak. There's a different uh, adjective that is being used here. Slow to speak. And then he goes on to say, slow to wrath. Now we told you that the focus here that James has, referring back to verse number uh, 18, is that of the word of truth. Be quick or swift, prompt to hear the word of God and be slow to speak with regards to that of the word of God. To be slow to wrath with regards to that of the Word of God. Now you say, well, Brother Steve, why would James use those terms? Have you ever had the Word of God read to you and proclaimed to you? It kind of got under your skin. You kind of got convicted. The Spirit of God convicting you from that of the Word of God. Sometimes it makes people angry. Angry to the point where they speak out against that of the Word of God. They say things that they ought not to with regards to that of the Word of God. I remember uh, uh, something similar to this happening here in that of our midst. There was a family that visited with us uh, right living right close to us. Uh, and uh, it was on a Sunday morning that they visited with us. And of course, we preached the Word of God unto them. And then, of course, we had a copy of our bylaws and we handed them a copy of them and they went out uh, after church with them. Well, they, they did come back. But when they came back, they said, we don't believe what you have in that of these articles of faith. We don't believe in that doctrine of election. Or say left afterwards and really come back. Well, we thought they were gone. I don't know how much or how long it was, but it was a little while. And one Sunday afternoon, I was in here and I was playing the piano. That was when we had the old piano, it was faced that way, and I was I had my back towards that of the door. And I heard the door open up, and it was this man. 
family was with him. And he came in and he says, Brother Shelton, he says, I want to apologize to you. I want to apologize to you because of how I acted with regards to that of the Word of God. The teaching about Him actually. He says, I believe it. So, we can see from that example that perhaps we don't know what was going on here uh, amongst that of these brethren that James was writing to. But perhaps they were having some issues. He says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to rise. And that is with regards to that of the Word of God. And beloved, we ought to be. We ought to be swift or prompt, ready to hear the Word of God read, proclaimed, taught, and be very, very slow with regards to how that we speak with regards to it. And that of how that we act with regards to it. In verse 20, James goes on to give a reason why he has written what he has in verse number 19. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Now, the little word for, that's Something that ought to make us pick up, take note. Usually the word for is used and right after that there is going to be that of a reason given. Why did James here tell us or tell the brethren to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, and especially that last one? He says, for, for this reason. He says, the wrath of man. No, the wrath of man. Worketh not, or does not accomplish, does not bring about that of the righteousness of God. Doesn't bring about the righteousness of God. There are several things that we want to take note of here. First of all, what does James mean when he speaks of that of the wrath of man? Well, if we look back up in verse number 19, I believe that we can understand just a little bit as we think about that of the Word of God and that of our whether we should act with regards to that of the Word of God. It's a behavior uh, that is being spoken of here. Wrath. Usually when a person is wrath, wrathful, they're angry, aren't they? Now there's 
scriptures or grounds for that of being angry. Paul wrote, Ephesians, be angry and sin not. To be angry with regards to that of wickedness, that of, of sin, to have that of righteous indignation, I believe we can say that we find that in Scripture. But beloved, that's not what the Apostle Paul here is speaking of here. He's speaking of that of an anger, and it's anger with regards to that of the Word of God, uh, that of perhaps the individual who has spoken it, proclaimed it. Remember another occasion, I was preaching from the pulpit here, and we had that of a family that was visiting with us. Uh, and I preached from that of Romans chapter 13. That of or to obey those who have the authority over us. Speaking of that of government leaders. Uh, immediately after the service, the man came up and he told me, he said, what you're preaching is, is wrong. And it wasn't, you know, Brother Shelton, you know, what you, you, know, what, what you preach, I don't disagree, I don't agree with you. No, he was angry. He was upset. For the wrath of man, this is a behavior that is being spoken of here. The anger, the anger of man worketh not, does not accomplish, bring about the righteousness of God or that which is right or pleasing to God. That conduct that is right conduct. You say, well, the righteousness of God isn't isn't James here speaking about that of the righteousness of God with regards to that of justification. No, he's not. He's speaking with regards to a behavior here. Worketh not the righteousness of God. It brings about not that which is pleasing in the sight of God. In verse 21, James writes, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Wherefore, again, we have a conjunction here, and there is a conjunction here. There's no variant here in the text. And the idea, of course, is, is in lieu of or in light of what has just been said. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. And that word lay apart, the idea here is to that of lay aside. We see it in several of the Pauline epistles where Paul calls upon those who are the saints of God to put off and to put on uh, that of uh, the different graces. Uh, and the idea here is like one taking their clothes off and putting on other clothes. So the idea here is a change. James here is telling, telling those brethren that there needs to be a change 
in that of their behavior, in that of the way that they are receiving that of the Word of God, the way they're hearing it and they're responding to it. Wherefore lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Now, these words are big words, but to put it in just a few words, what James here is speaking of is, is that of filthiness, filthy conduct. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, have you ever had that of someone speak and the words that come out of their mouth is filthy? And not only is the words that come out of their mouth filthy, but also that of their attitude, that of their actions at the moment. All wrong. Now we have to keep in mind that this is in lieu of that of the word of truth. For you note that he goes on to say, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive note these words receive with meekness or welcome with that of humility not of that high horse attitude I know what's right and you know what you're saying is wrong no the attitude of welcoming that of the word of God and that of of receiving it and doing it with that of Humility. Receive with meekness or humility the engrafted word. The engrafted word. Now that word engrafted, the meaning is planted word of God. You know, uh, this morning we had uh, Dan to read from that of Mark chapter 4 where it talks about the sower going forth, sowing the seed. Some fell on good ground, some fell on uh, stony ground. There's various results, wasn't there? Well, here the word is the engrafted word or the planted word. And it's the planted word received and welcomed, mixed with that of faith. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. You might be thinking, well, wasn't James writing to brethren? Wasn't James writing to saints of God? Yes, he was. He was writing to those who made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Based upon that, every reason to believe that they were saved forgiven of their sins. But you see, salvation doesn't stop with that of the the initial act that takes place. Salvation saved from the penalty of sin. Saved from the power of sin. Saved from its presence. There are three tenses. And so as James writes here, he tells them the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Well, if they had made a profession of faith 
and it was a false profession of faith. He had the engrafted word able to save ourselves. And is that a brethren in the Lord, ones who made professions of faith and truly the children of God? Yes, the word of God had an effect upon them. As you see, they were being saved. They were being delivered. Not that they hadn't been delivered. They had been delivered in the initial act of God in regeneration. They had come to know their sins forgiven. The hope of eternal life. But there's still a lot of work to be done. I always use this song because when I'm familiar with He's still working on me. Beloved, He is. He's still working on us. And praise God, there'll come a time, beloved, that we will be perfect. We're not perfect yet. But there'll come a time when we're in glory with the Lord Jesus, we will be perfect. We'll be perfectly conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, beloved, the Word of Truth, the engrafted Word, is able to save our souls. So what is your response to the Word of God? Or upon any day. Is it prompt to hear it? Readily? Desirable? Something you desire? Have you received the gospel message? The good news of Jesus Christ and salvation. Deliverance from sin's penalty, its presence and its power and its presence. Are you being saved, child of God? Is the word of God having an effect upon your life? Let us stand. Like the boat we have.
remind you that we will have afternoon service uh, today at 4 o'clock, and we'll be back in the book of James again this afternoon. I have to resolve the reason for it. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do pray that you would help us to be careful uh, hearers, or may we uh, receive thy word quickly. Give us grace, Lord, to uh, be less than talkative uh, about these things, but to uh, receive your word and the word to uh, have that work in, in each of us rather than resist or to be wrathful uh, or maybe submit in subjection to thy word. Uh, Father, we know that. Word is able to save the word of Christ is imputed righteousness. We can be saved to the uttermost Father. This word truly provide each of us.